This episode was uploaded Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 27 of the 5x5 Room RPG Podcast. Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is a really enjoyable and fun movie experience that we feel celebrates the source material in a way that no D&D movie has done before. And while we think it's a great movie to give a watch, it got us thinking. The bright lights, the big screen, the close-up. In many ways, movies achieve what many players and game masters enjoy at their table, setting up cinematic experiences that showcase what your players do best. Today, we reflect on the movie and discuss ways to make your D&D game more cinematic. Spoiler-free. The running time for this episode is 26 minutes. Welcome to the 5x5 five five Room. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Hollis. And today, in light of a recent Dungeons & Dragons movie, which was good. Oh, absolutely. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and, and this is this is coming from people that have watched all of the previous D&D movies and mm. been, been less impressed. Mm-hmm. We decided that we wanted to talk about ways that you can make your own D&D game or tabletop role-playing game cinematic in the same way as that maybe influenced by this movie but in general just sort of going for that cinematic style of play if you're afraid that we're going to spoil aspects of the movie do not worry the intent here is not to spoil any piece of that very enjoyable movie we're gonna leave that for you and your own enjoyment at the theater however we think there's a lot to talk about in ways of making your game cinematic and so that's why we're here but definitely as a first and foremost if you haven't seen the movie Go watch it. It's good. It's not the most amazing thing on the planet, and we're not going to talk about it in extreme detail, but it was definitely good. I encourage you to watch it. If you're a fan of Dungeons & Dragons, 100% they have a lot of great nods to existing concepts that I think are really fleshed out well and are equally portrayed very well on screen. Yeah, and surprisingly enough, it was just a good movie, like for movie standards. Let's get into the meat of the episode. I wanted to take some cues from the movie, and so I'm going to talk about some, not exact scenes, but maybe some ideas that we can take from it. Uh, one of the first ones that I wanted to bring up, this is something that is uh, a scary topic for a lot of tabletop role-playing games, but I think that there's some very fun parts of this movie that come from it, and it made me think, hey, we need to do this more. You need to separate your party. Split them up. We always like the idea of presenting problems to the players and sometimes doing that without a solution in mind. While you may not necessarily need to go that route to the extreme, there's definitely scenarios where you can find a way to split the party, make it a challenging experience, and kind of push players to work together in really unique ways and in really unique combinations you may have not thought of before. Yeah, one of the takeaways if you are watching this movie after listening to us talk about this idea is just watch how they keep moving this spotlight as the party has been split. We need to watch a little bit, see something happen. And honestly, this is just a great tip in general for if you're splitting the party, as soon as one person has done something sufficiently impressive, that's a good time to swap. You don't need to go in initiative order and say, okay, well, you get an action and you get an action. Once someone has done something cool, be like, wow, that was really cool. Okay, let's pause you and go watch someone else until they do something cool. 
each character has their own strengths and weaknesses. But something you'll see come out as you start to blend and split the party in unique ways is how those different skill sets complement each other. I'd even consider planning well in advance at how certain characters would do well together if they were to be split. For example, maybe you have a barbarian and a wizard. How well will they work together? They quite often will be at odds based on their approach to combat and the way they view the world, but their strengths and weaknesses combined allow you for a unique set of skills, sort of like Liam Neeson. He does have a set of skills. <laughs> this might be uh, spoiler-ish, but I also think that this served best being in sort of the middle of the movie where it was. And I would say that it would serve a campaign best if this don't start your game by separating your party, let them get to meet each other and get to know each other. And also don't end your game with splitting the party because this is the time where we can show them all working together and let their teamwork shine. This also makes me think of the, I often call it the hacker problem because I played Shadowrun a lot, but it, this is equally the rogue problem where you have a rogue that says, hey, I'm going to sneak in and do my own thing. And then the rest of the party is twiddling their thumbs. You can take this as a lesson to say, hey, there never needs to be a rogue problem. There never needs to be a hacker problem because whenever the hacker is hacking, whenever the rogue is sneaking around and skulking, have the rest of the party simultaneously doing something else. So that way there's never a moment where we're just saying, okay, here's your job. We're just going to watch that for a while. We just touched on spotlight. Just because the rogue is busy doing something in this example and the party needs to be occupied, you don't even necessarily need the party's actions to do something supporting the rogue. They can be something entirely on their own. Once again, just another example of how splitting the party can allow them to express their strengths in a unique and different way. And you mentioned Spotlight, so let's go right into it. That's another one of the bullet points I've got here that I wanted to talk about. This movie does a great job of giving everyone a chance to shine. And that is the best lesson that you can take for GMing in general. They give everyone a moment to say, okay, here is where you get to do your cool thing. Okay, you've done your cool thing. Let's move over to someone else and let them do their cool thing. If you want a cinematic game, everyone needs a chance to shine. This is an ensemble. A key takeaway from the movie that we can use is sometimes that spotlight moment can lend itself well to the spotlight of other characters. As an example, Jeremy, you playing a Sapphire Deleuze, the greatest sorcerer of all the land. That's true, he is. You might very well cast a spell that at first seems innocuous. It's a spell that's merely meant to be minorly helpful to your current situation. But maybe that spell lingers around for a bit, allowing another party member to utilize that spell in a very cool, unique way that allows them to have their own moment in the spotlight. In that way, while you have done something cool, your tiny addition, your individual moment where you get to have the spotlight all to yourself, allows the room for someone else also to shine, which I think adds to a party dynamic, utilizing your friend's abilities to also improve yours. In this way, you build camaraderie and you still get to do something just as cool. And honestly, that leads me to another really good point that I didn't even think about previously until you were talking about it, is you can also use these ideas as foreshadowing. You can take it when a player uses a spell to do something fun. You can say, oh, I could use that against the players later on. And I can say, hey, remember how you did it like this? Well, now the bad guy is doing it like this, but slightly different. Oh, cool. Maybe even it's a mystery and the players are able to figure it out because they're like, hey, this is like that time I, I did minor illusion to do so and so and solve this problem or vice versa. The same an enemy could do something and players can see that and say, hey, maybe I can use that against them. Maybe I can figure out a way to use that in our favor. I really like that. 
it very much pushes players and also the DM to learn from the actions of the other party members at the table. And with that, well, we're talking about cinematics here, allow you to make something epic, something that's tied really well together, almost like it was planned. Speaking of plans, <laughs> how do you keep setting me up like this? Uh, I wanted to say, here's a big point. Once again, I don't think this is spoilers to say, but there's a lot of failing plans and it is fantastic. Beautiful even. Beautiful. And the biggest takeaway that I can get from this, and this is just as much for players as it is for game masters, let your plans fail. If you fail that role to unlock the door, guess what? The door is locked. Got to find another way. Got to figure something else out. You got to work on your toes and figure something out. I think this is when the movie and cinematic things shine the most. When you fail, you got to say, okay, we failed. We got to keep going. We got to figure something else out. We got to follow up with that failure. And I think it's very easy in tabletop gaming for you to miss your role and go, oh, I missed the role. Um, can I wait five minutes and try it again? Can I, what can I do to try again? How, how does this happen? We've talked at length before about how failure should not come at the cost of stopping things from happening. At no point in time, whether you're a player or a dungeon master, should your game come to a screeching halt as a result of bad rolls. If the players need to get behind that door, well, guess what? Surprise, surprise. There's a trap door that they didn't even know existed that allows them to get in the door now. I guess they must find it, or they need to find the person that knows about it in order to be able to get in there. Keeping the action moving forward is what really makes your game feel alive. It makes it feel like the players have a lot of agency in moving things forward. However, halting the game entirely just makes everyone feel like a failure. And if you, as the players, come up with a big plan and then your plan fails, that's just the motivation you need to say, okay, cool, we're coming up with a new plan right away. We have no choice, so it's what we're doing. Boy, did that pay off in spades in this movie. You're going to succeed eventually, I mean, probability-wise. And those failures, I mean, if you watch any actual movie or television show that you enjoy, you're going to see the characters failing constantly. You're going to see them run up against obstacles that they weren't expecting and that seem insurmountable at first, and they're going to have to figure out a way around it. And that's what's fun. I'd even add that without failure, a lot of the media that we enjoy would not be nearly as enjoyable. Why is Rocky such an iconic movie? Sure, it could be Sylvester Stallone's chiseled physique, but it's likely the fact that for a large portion of those movies, he's an underdog. We're watching the person that's lost or the person that's lost someone else fight to actually win. We're watching this person become the hero that we know that they can be. And the best story of a boxer is the one who keeps getting back up. I couldn't have said it better myself. So let's talk about some other points that I think could be good to use in a game. Don't be afraid to start in the middle. There is a, a bit of a recap segment that happens in this movie, and that works great because we don't need to see how the characters exactly got to where they are right now. We can put a few characters together, say, okay, we know each other, we have a history, and we can reflect on it when we need it. I think it's important to kind of get to that action early, to get to the meat of the story without spending too much time wallowing in the, okay, well, we met on this day and we had this short adventure together with these two people. And then eventually we met this person. It, it's fine. We can cover that later. When I look at backstories that characters have presented me, I just imagine what would happen if while at the table, everybody who made their backstory is sitting around giving a 15 minute lecture on every part, every bit and piece that's made their character become their character. 
We usually call that a war dump and we make fun of it. <laughs> we, While it is important to see where your characters come from and also relay that to some degree to the party you're going to be traveling with, really the adventure that you're all here at the table for is the adventure with those at the table. Your backstory may make your character who they are, but it's a quest. It's a journey and adventure about who your character will become. Yeah. Make that the thing that matters the most at the table. If a plot relevant detail comes up that involves your backstory and makes it worth discussing or bringing back up to the party as a whole. For example, Jeremy, don't you have an ancient draconic bloodline? I'm sure that will be relevant for Sapphire Deluge. Oh yeah, especially if we are encountering a dragon. Right, right. But maybe not the thing you just drop upon meeting someone. Hi, I'm Sapphire Deluge, greatest dragon source of all the land. Allow me to tell you about my family. Yeah, that would be a really awkward way to introduce my character. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that being said, don't feel like you have to front load things. And if you need to start in the middle of the action and have the players sort of know each other, I wouldn't say like start every campaign this way or you have to have all of the party just say, hey, you know each other. But I think it's a good way to go ahead and make some connections and get a little bit closer to the action that people are kind of looking for so that you don't have a very slow early game. Another thing I took away from this movie, minor spoilers, the movie is funny. And you know what? When we play tabletop role-playing games, it's funny. We laugh a lot. We have a good time. More often than I care to admit, sometimes those serious moments are undercut by players that feel uncomfortable with the tension. And laughter is a great companion to tension. It's been a known trope within anything that you enjoy. Also, if someone undercuts your serious scene with a joke, and everyone at the table laughs. That was a good joke. Right. And you did a good setup. So, you know, just let it happen. This is one of those things that you can choose to take your game really seriously. And I'm not saying that you should constantly be joking or derailing a serious plot that a game master is trying to run. But when things that are funny happen, you don't have to say, look, we're all having to have a serious game here. We're all having a fun time. That's what matters the most. If people are laughing and enjoying themselves, you know what? Pull it into the story. Make it relevant. Don't just say, haha, we laughed out of character. You can take these moments and you can laugh in character. You can make something funny that is enjoyable for everyone at the table. And if that's still not convincing enough, I'd like you to remember you are playing a game surrounded by a group of other like-minded nerds who enjoy casting spells that allow them to write words in the sky and to have their farts smell like cupcakes. I think some humor's allowed here. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. This is a silly property. When this movie was like, a lot more comedic than I expected. It was just like, oh, right, that makes sense. To be honest, d and a little silly, so embrace it. I want to talk about a little bit of the ending, but without spoiling the ending, I'm just going to say I think it's important to show that problems can be solved creatively, and we don't necessarily have to have a big boss fight as a resolution to a problem. There are times when you sort of think, okay, I've got this big mystery and I want the players to solve it and they gather information and they learn stuff. They come up with this creative solution that kind of bypasses a big bad and you as a GM sometimes go, oh, but I had this big boss fight planned. And there's times where you can say, who cares? That's not what this is about. This isn't about the players fighting a big boss fight that takes six rounds and we go, okay, it's your turn. What do you do? If the players have a really fun, creative solution for something, let it happen. This is also a great opportunity for you as a dungeon master to be able to kind of check out the tools in your toolkit. 
maybe you had some epic fight planned. The players were going to be atop a giant hill, the boss was going to be atop an even bigger hill, and the players have to rush up that even bigger hill to kick that boss down said hill. Well, maybe the players find a way to just completely jump over the hill entirely. That's okay. You need to consider a way that that big bad does the same. It presents another unique challenge, or perhaps when they get over that big hill, there's an even bigger challenge. Oddly enough, you view this the same way the players would in terms of failure. Just because your giant plan itself doesn't work out, the big bad that you've planned for months and months and months doesn't turn out to be the big bad that you had hoped, that doesn't mean that you don't have any creative license to change things up. Improvise. Give the party something bigger or scarier or maybe even the same problem. Jeremy, you often use the analogy of, I have village A and village B, I will present you with a problem. If village A is on fire and you say, I don't want to go to village A, I want to go to village B, Jeremy, what happens to village B? It will also be on fire. Precisely. And no matter where you look. But I've done that joke before. So (laughs) just in general, though, yeah, I think that if the players come up with a really creative solution, or even if that's kind of what you build to in general, it's very easy for us to fall back on combat as a resolution, especially if we play a lot of video games, because that's kind of how things resolve in a video game, because otherwise it's just clicking a button to say a response. It doesn't feel as engaging. But in a tabletop game, when we're suggesting ideas and trying weird things, that is the engaging part. To be honest, the pushing the X button until the enemy dies is less engaging in tabletop gaming than actually coming up with the idea of how we're going to defeat this problem. What you're saying, Jeremy, is something that I think we've discussed before in terms of what makes tabletop gaming unique. Tabletop gaming doesn't have to be the game of press X until the monster dies. Endings can be different. A war can be ended with a single conversation, a whisper, a slight bit of coercion. Or something that should be a simple bout of words could turn into something world-ending. This is something unique and organic in a tabletop game that at the very least suggests you should consider other avenues of how to make really big epic endings. And I'm not saying you need to just bypass all combat, but don't see it as the be-all, end-all of your campaign. Don't think that every conflict needs to be resolved by punching it in the face, because let's be honest, in real life, that's generally not how we solve our problems. And usually if someone does solve all their problems that way, we kind of look down on them. So when there's a fun, interesting solution to something, let it happen. Obviously, some people come to this game for the tactical combat and the idea of that. Let's be honest, D&D in general is kind of geared towards combat as most of the mechanics are built for combat but that doesn't mean that that's why we play these games i think that you can have a little bit of both and if the game is moving in a direction that is less combat focused then you know lean into it roll with the punches even the not punchy punches (laughs) i think one of the last things i wanted to talk about and this is even a minor one but we got through all of my good points early so We'll be ending on this one, but don't spend too much time on things that are unimportant. There are moments in this movie where they are traveling and we say, hey, we need to go someplace. And then we're on our horses just outside of it. Or we say, hey, we need to take care of this problem. And it's not that important of a problem. It's fine. It's over with. We're going to cut from scene to scene. We're going to keep the plot moving at a good pace. And this is where I've mentioned before, sort of like zooming in and zooming out. When the characters are saying, hey, we need to walk to X town, 
zoom out. We don't need to see every step that they take. When the character is escaping from uh, a prison sequence, zoom in. I want to see everything they do. I want to watch all of those movements and I want to see anything that could possibly go wrong. In my old age, I have enjoyed the Metal Gear Solid series. And one of my favorite scenes in one of those games is simply the act of helping the main character sneak out of his cell. You get a ketchup bottle, you break it on yourself, you lay down and look like you're injured. The guard comes over to the door to inspect you, and that's when you knock the guard out. You change yourself into his clothing, and then you do your best to escape unnoticed. So no no D&D movie spoilers, but there are 20-year-old video game spoilers in this podcast. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're going to just have to deal with that one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's what we're saying. You want to be able to zoom in on that sort of element because it is something very, very involved. And at the tabletop setting, you want to be able to track piece by piece how a player is going to accomplish this goal. When my players want to go from town A to town B, unless something important or impactful is happening, I probably don't need to spend an hour describing each four days of travel. And this doesn't mean that all travel is bad and that all combat is good. It's important to take from this the concept, the concept that we can slow down what's happening and we can look at all of the details when they're fun and engaging and important. And when they're not, we can speed things up, zoom out, and not spend that much time on them. This also applies for like dialogues and conversations. If there's a group of NPCs having a really important conversation, you don't need to go through every bit of dialogue. You just need to tell the players, these are the important parts, especially if they're just overhearing it and they're not able to contribute on their own. The caveat I know that both of us sort of acknowledge is you're going to have to do what is more appropriate for your table. It may be the case that you play at a table where the players want the minutia of that travel. Perhaps they do want a section by section breakdown of every hour of the four days of travel they're going to do. But I think if that's the case, each of those hours needs to be important. If you're going to show every minute of of walking to town B, guess what? Every minute needs to have something exciting happening in it. We don't want to roll each footstep just for the next one to come. I think that's about all that I've got in terms of big takeaways that I had from the D&D movie. Uh, Hollis, you got anything else you want to throw out here? I'd caution going a little bit overboard with this, but I say take some liberties and have a bit of finesse in the description of the things that are happening. One big takeaway I took from watching the movie was just how kind of vibrant and beautiful some of the spells are. There were examples where I could look at a spell and go, oh, I think I know what spell that is, but it's not at all how I would have imagined it in my head. In some cases, it was much, much cooler. If I was sitting at a table with my players and they were casting a spell, I asked them, hey, describe it. Add a little flair, a little bit of love, something unique about how you cast a spell that sets it apart from just another spell that you cast. Anybody can cast Ice Knife, but what's unique about it to you? Is it an actual knife? Does it look like a spear? Or does it look like an arrow when you cast your Ice Knife? Maybe you knock an arrow and you shoot it into someone. That sort of flair, I think, brings it to life. We talk about things being cinematic. What better way to do that than to give that spell description some personal love and flair? Yeah, and the last thing I can think of is just, we've said this before, but try to trust your game master. If they start doing something that maybe is even breaking the rules and you're kind of like, oh, that's not fair to my character. Maybe you should go, well, what if they've got a really cool idea? Let's let this happen. Let's see where this goes. And I'll even add to that, I think it goes both ways. DMs, trust your players. Yeah. 
If you're going to present them with a unique problem, sometimes with no solution, and expect them to figure their way out of it, then meet them halfway, at the very least. Allow them to create the plan and see what comes out of it. You never know where these crazy plans are actually going to lead to. Most of the time, as I found, they lead you to an amazing place that everyone at the table is going to enjoy. Yeah, I think that's a great point. But on that note, uh, I think I will say it one more time. If you haven't seen the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie, it was it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to another one, actually. Hopefully this one is just as successful as I keep seeing online. And uh, we'll get a couple more of these. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be happy to see what else they could do with it. I think we've talked privately that if they do another one, since obviously Wizards has listened to our podcast and they have full creative control. Absolutely. I hope that it doesn't have the exact same cast because this was obviously done in Forgotten Realms and that gives us plenty of world to explore. And there's tons of people out here that we can visit. Show us that there's different parties made up of different people and how they interact with the world. I can't wait to see more stories. And we've got more stories to tell here on our podcast. So. If you have anything you want to hear, let us know. We're always happy with some feedback. Otherwise, uh, I think we're done with this one. I have nothing else to add. I mean, I might even go rewatch the movie, Jeremy. Yeah, you know, honestly, if you guys want to hear us really do a play-by-play, let us know in some feedback. We might be willing to give it a second watch and take some notes and uh, kind of go over some of the finer points if people would find that interesting. I'm going to jump in before Jeremy does and say, thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening, and we look forward to talking with you next time. Have a good night.